This is a special presentation from member-supported Sun Sounds of Arizona. We are reading the trial memorandum of the United States of House of Representatives managers in the impeachment trial of President Donald J. Trump. This is part of our series of presentations of important documents in the historic impeachment proceedings of a president. Normally, Sun Sounds provides readings from newspapers and magazines. However, the impeachment is a process punctuated by key source documents upon which the news articles and opinion pieces are often based. Thus, these special presentations. We've recorded the articles of impeachment, the whistleblower complaint, the Democratic and Republican impeachment reports in the House, and much more. We will continue to add to this library as new key documents are published. Sun Sounds is a nonprofit reading service that provides audio access to print information for people who cannot read or hold print materials due to a disability, and that includes age-related conditions. We encourage you to tell friends and family who might benefit from our programming about SunSounds. You can also support this effort at sunsounds.org. I'm your volunteer reader, Paul Wyke. I regularly read a program called AZ Law. Today, however, I am reading the trial mem memorandum from the House of Representatives managers. They are the ones that are prosecuting the trial in the Senate in the impeachment pro proceedings of Donald J. Trump. Here's the introduction. President Donald J. Trump used his official powers to pressure a foreign government to interfere in a United States election for his personal political gain, and then attempted to cover up his scheme by obstructing Congress's investigation into his misconduct. The Constitution provides a remedy when the president commits such serious abuses of his office, impeachment and removal. The Senate must use that remedy now to safeguard the 2020 U.S. election, to protect our constitutional form of government, and to eliminate the threat that the president poses to America's national security. The House adopted two articles of impeachment against President Trump, the first for abuse of power and the second for obstruction of Congress. The evidence overwhelmingly establishes that he is guilty of both. The only remaining question is whether the members of the Senate will accept and carry out the responsibility placed on them by the framers of our Constitution and their constitutional oaths. Abuse of power. President Trump abused the power of his office by pressuring the government of Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 U.S. presidential election for his own benefit. In order to pressure the recently elected Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, to announce investigations that would advance President Trump's political interests and his 2020 re-election bid, the president exercised his official power to withhold from Ukraine critical U.S. government support, $391 million of vital military aid, and a coveted White House meeting. During a July 25, 2019 phone call, after President Zelensky expressed gratitude to President Trump for American military assistance, President Trump immediately responded by asking President Zelensky to do us a favor, though. The favor he sought was for Ukraine to publicly announce two investigations that President Trump believed would improve his domestic political prospects. One investigation concerned former Vice President Joseph Biden Jr., a political rival in the upcoming 2020 election, and the false claim that in seeking the removal of a corrupt Ukrainian prosecutor four years earlier, then-Vice President Biden had acted to protect a company where his son was a board member. 
The second investigation concerned a debunked conspiracy theory that Russia did not interfere in the 2016 presidential election to aid President Trump, but instead that Ukraine interfered in that election to aid President Trump's opponent, Hillary Clinton. These theories were baseless. There is no credible evidence to support the allegation that the former vice president acted improperly in encouraging Ukraine to remove an incompetent and corrupt prosecutor in 2016. And the U.S. intelligence community, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, and special counsel Robert Mueller III unanimously determined that Russia, not Ukraine, had interfered in the 2016 U.S. presidential election in sweeping and systematic faction fashion to help President Trump's campaign. In fact, the theory that Ukraine rather than Russia interfered in the 2016 election has been advanced by Russia's intelligence services as part of Russia's propaganda campaign. Although these theories were groundless, President Trump sought a public announcement by Ukraine of investigations into them in order to help his 2020 re-election campaign. An announcement of a Ukrainian investigation into one of his key political rivals would be enormously valuable to President Trump in his efforts to win re-election in 2020, just as the FBI's investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails had helped him in 2016. And an investigation suggesting that President Trump did not benefit from Russian interference in the 2016 election would give him a basis to assert, falsely, that he was the victim rather than the beneficiary of foreign meddling in the last election. Ukraine's announcement of that investigation would bolster the perceived legitimacy of his presidency and therefore his political standing going into the 2020 race. Overwhelming evidence shows that President Trump solicited these two investigations in order to obtain a personal political benefit, not because the investigations served the national interest. The president's own national security advisor characterized the efforts to pressure Ukraine to announce investigations in exchange for official acts as a drug deal. His acting chief of staff candidly confessed that President Trump's decision to withhold security assistance was tied to his desire for an investigation into alleged Ukrainian interference in the 2020 election, stated that there is going to be political influence in foreign policy, and told the American people to get over it. Another one of President Trump's key national security advisors testified that the agents pursuing the president's bidding were involved in a domestic political errand, not national security policy. And, immediately after speaking to President Trump by phone about the investigations, one of President Trump's ambassadors involved in carrying out the president's agenda in Ukraine said that President Trump did not give a expletive about Ukraine, and instead cared only about big stuff that benefited him personally, like the Biden investigation. To execute his scheme, President Trump assigned his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, the task of securing the Ukrainian investigations. Mr. Giuliani repeatedly and publicly emphasized that he was not engaged in foreign policy, but was instead seeking a personal benefit for his client, Donald Trump. President Trump used the vast powers of his office as president to pressure Ukraine into announcing these investigations. President Trump illegally withheld $391 million in taxpayer-funded military assistance to Ukraine that Congress had appropriated for expenditure in fiscal year 2019. That assistance was a critical part of long-running bipartisan efforts to advance the security interests of the United States by ensuring that Ukraine is properly equipped to defend itself against Russian aggression. 
Every relevant executive branch agency agreed that continued American support for Ukraine was in America's national security interests. But President Trump ignored that view and personally ordered the assistance held back. Even after serious concerns, now confirmed by the Government Accountability Office, or GAO, were raised within his administration about the legality of withholding funds that Congress had already appropriated. President Trump released the funding only after he got caught trying to use the security assistance as leverage to obtain foreign interference in his re-election campaign. When news of his scheme to withhold the funding broke, and shortly after investigative committees in the House opened an investigation, President Trump relented and released the aid. As part of the same pressure campaign, President Trump withheld a crucial White House meeting with President Zelensky, a meeting that he had previously promised and that was a shared goal of both the United States and Ukraine. Such face-to-face Oval Office meetings with a U.S. president are immensely important for international credibility. In this case, an Oval Office meeting with President Trump was critical to the newly elected Ukrainian president because it would signal to Russia, which had invaded Ukraine in 2014 and still occupies Ukrainian territory, that Ukraine could count on American support. That meeting still has not occurred, even though President Trump has met with over a dozen world leaders at the White House since President Zelensky's election, including an Oval Office meeting with Russia's top diplomat. President Trump's solicitation of foreign interference in our elections to secure his own political success is precisely why the framers of our Constitution provided Congress with the power to impeach a corrupt president and remove him from office. One of the founding generation's principal fears was that foreign governments would seek to manipulate American elections, the defining feature of our self-government. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams warned of foreign interference, intrigue, influence, and predicted that as often as elections happen, the danger of foreign influence recurs. The framers, therefore, would have considered a president's attempt to corrupt America's democratic processes by demanding political favors from foreign powers to be a singularly pernicious act. They designed impeachment as the remedy for such misconduct because a president who manipulates U.S. elections to his advantage can avoid being held accountable by the voters through those same elections. And they would have viewed a president's efforts to encourage foreign election interference as all the more dangerous, whereas here, those efforts are part of an ongoing pattern of misconduct for which the president is unrepentant. The House of Representatives gathered overwhelming evidence of President Trump's misconduct, which is summarized in the attached Statement of Material Facts and in the comprehensive reports prepared by the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the Committee on the Judiciary. On the strength of that evidence, the House approved the first article of impeachment against President Trump for abuse of power. The Senate should now convict him on that article. President Trump's continuing presence in office undermines the integrity of our democratic processes and endangers our national security. Obstruction of Congress. President Trump obstructed Congress by undertaking an unprecedented campaign to prevent House committees from investigating his misconduct. The Constitution entrusts the House with the sole power of impeachment. The framers thus ensured what common sense requires, that the House and not the president determines the existence, scope, and procedures of an impeachment investigation into the president's conduct. The House cannot conduct such an investigation of 
effectively if it cannot obtain information from the president or the executive branch about the presidential misconduct it is investigating. Under our constitutional system of divided powers, a president cannot be permitted to hide his offenses from view by refusing to comply with a congressional impeachment inquiry and ordering executive branch agencies to do the same. That conclusion is particularly important given the Department of Justice's position that the president cannot be indicted. If the president could both avoid accountability under the criminal laws and preclude an effective impeachment investigation, he would truly be above the law. But that is what President Trump has attempted to do, and why President Trump's conduct is the framers' worst nightmare. He directed his administration to defy every subpoena issued in the House's impeachment investigation. At his direction, the White House, Department of State, Department of Defense, Department of Energy, and the Office of Management and Budget refused to produce a single document in response to those subpoenas. Several witnesses also followed President Trump's orders, defying requests for voluntary appearances and lawful subpoenas and refusing to testify. And President Trump's interference in the House's impeachment inquiry was not an isolated incident. It was consistent with his past efforts to obstruct the special, special counsel's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. By categorically obstructing the House's impeachment inquiry, President Trump claimed the House's sole impeachment power for himself and sought to shield his misconduct from Congress and the American people. Although his sweeping cover-up effort ultimately failed, 17 public officials courageously upheld their duty, testified, and provided documentary evidence of the president's wrongdoing, his obstruction will do long-lasting and potentially irreparable damage to our constitutional system of divided powers if it goes unchecked. Based on the overwhelming evidence of the president's misconduct in attempting to thwart the impeachment inquiry, the House approved the second article of impeachment for obstruction of Congress. The Senate should now convict President Trump on that article. If it does not, future presidents will feel empowered to resist any investigation into their own wrongdoing, effectively nullifying Congress's power to exercise the Constitution's most important safeguard against presidential misconduct. That outcome would not only embolden this president to continue seeking foreign interference in our elections, but would telegraph to future presidents that they are free to engage in serious misconduct without accountability or repercussions. The Constitution entrusts Congress with the solemn task of impeaching and removing from office a president who engages in treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. The impeachment power is an essential check on the authority of the president, and Congress must exercise this power when the president places his personal and political interests above those of the nation. President Trump has done exactly that. His misconduct challenges the fundamental principle that Americans should decide American elections, and that a divided system of government in which no single branch operates without the check and balance of the others preserves the liberty we all hold dear. The country is watching to see how the Senate responds. History will judge each senator's willingness to rise above partisan differences, view the facts honestly, and defend the Constitution. The outcome of these proceedings will determine whether generations to come will enjoy a safe and secure democracy in which the president is not a king, and in which no one, particularly the president, is above the law. New section now, background. 
Section 1, Subsection 1, Constitutional Grounds for Presidential Impeachment. To understand why President Trump must be removed from office now, it is necessary to understand why the framers of our Constitution included the impeachment power as an essential part of the republic they created. The Constitution entrusts Congress with the exclusive power to impeach the president and to convict and remove him from office. Article 1 vests the House with the sole power of impeachment and the Senate with the sole power to try all impeachments and to convict upon a vote of two-thirds of its members. The Constitution specifies that the president shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. The Constitution further provides that the Senate may vote to permanently disqualify an impeached president from government service. The president takes an oath to faithfully execute the office of the president of the United States. Impeachment imposes a check on a president who violates that oath by using the powers of the office to advance his own interests at the expense of the national interest. Fresh from their experience under British rule by a king, the framers were concerned that corruption posed a grave threat to their new republic. As George Mason warned the other delegates to the Constitutional Convention, if we do not provide against corruption, our government will soon be at an end. The framers stressed that a president who acts from some corrupt motive or other or willfully abuses his trust must be impeached because the president will have great opportunities of abusing his power. The framers recognized that a president who abuses his power to to manipulate the democratic process cannot properly be held accountable by means of the very elections that he has rigged to his advantage. The framers specifically feared a president who abused his office by sparing no efforts or means whatever to get himself re-elected. Mason asked, shall the man who has practiced corruption and by that means procured his appointment in the first instance be suffered to escape punishment by repeating his guilt? Thus, the framers resolved to hold the president impeachable whilst in office, as an essential security for the good behavior of the executive. By empowering Congress to immediately remove a president when his misconduct warrants it, the framers established the people's elected representatives as the ultimate check on a president whose corruption threatened our democracy and the nation's core interests. The framers particularly feared that foreign influence could undermine our new system of self-government. In his farewell address to the nation, President George Washington warned Americans to be constantly awake since history and experience prove that foreign influence is one of the most baneful foes of Republican government. Alexander Hamilton cautioned that the most deadly adversaries of Republican government may come chiefly from the desire in foreign powers to gain an improper ascendant in our councils. James Madison worried that a future president could betray his trust to foreign powers, which might be fatal to the republic. And of particular relevance now, in their personal correspondence about foreign interference, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams discussed their apprehension that as often as elections happen, the danger of foreign influence recurs. 
Guided by these concerns, the framers included within the Constitution various mechanisms to ensure the president's accountability and protect against foreign interference, including a requirement that presidents be natural-born citizens of the United States, prohibitions on the president's receipt of gifts, emoluments, or titles from foreign states, prohibitions on profiting from the presidency, and of course, the requirement that the president face re-election after a four-year term. But the framers provided for impeachment as a final check on a president who sought foreign interference to serve his personal interests, particularly to secure his own re-election. In drafting the impeachment clause, the framers adopted a standard flexible enough to reach the full range of potential presidential misconduct, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. The decision to denote treason and bribery as impeachable conduct reflects the founding era concerns over foreign influence and corruption. But the framers also recognized that many great and dangerous offenses could warrant impeachment and immediate removal of a president from office. These other high crimes and misdemeanors provided for by the Constitution need not be indictable criminal offenses. Rather, as Hamilton explained, impeachable offenses involve an abuse or violation of some public trust and are of a nature which may with peculiar propriety be denominated political as they relate chiefly to injuries done immediately to the society itself. The framers thus understood that high crimes and misdemeanors would encompass acts committed by public officials that inflict severe harm on the constitutional order. Section 2, the House's impeachment of President Donald J. Trump and presentation of this matter to the Senate. Committees of the House have undertaken investigations into allegations of misconduct by President Trump and his administration. On September 9, 2019, after evidence surfaced that the president and his associates were seeking Ukraine's assistance in the president's re-election, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, together with the Committees on Oversight and Reform and the Committee on Foreign Affairs, announced a joint investigation into the president's conduct and issued document requests to the White House and State Department. On September 24, Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced that the House was moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry and directed the committees to proceed with their investigations under that umbrella of an impeachment inquiry. They subsequently issued multiple subpoenas for documents, as well as requests and subpoenas for witness interviews and testimony. On October 31, the House approved a resolution adopting procedures to govern the impeachment inquiry. Both before and after Speaker Pelosi's announcement, President Trump categorically refused to provide any information in response to the House's inquiry. He stated that we're fighting all the subpoenas and that I have an Article II where I have the right to do whatever I want as president. Through his White House counsel, the president later directed his administration not to cooperate. Heeding the president's directive, the executive branch did not produce any documents in response to subpoenas issued by the three investigating committees. And nine current or former administration officials, including the president's top aides, continue to refuse to comply with subpoenas for testimony. Notwithstanding the president's attempted cover-up, 17 current and former government officials courageously complied with their legal obligations and testified before the three investigating committees in depositions or transcribed interviews that all members of the committees, as well as staff from the majority and minority, were permitted to attend. 
Some witnesses produced documentary evidence in their possession. In late November of 2019, 12 of these witnesses, including three requested by the minority, testified in public hearings convened by the Intelligence Committee. Stressing the overwhelming evidence of misconduct already uncovered by the investigation, on December 3rd, the Intelligence Committee released a detailed nearly 300-page report documenting its findings, which it transmitted to the Judiciary Committee. The Judiciary Committee held public hearings evaluating the constitutional standard for impeachment and the evidence against President Trump, in which the President's counsel was invited but declined to participate, and then reported two articles of impeachment to the House. On December 18, the House voted to impeach President Trump and adopted two articles of impeachment. The first article for abuse of power states that President Trump abused the powers of the presidency by soliciting the government of Ukraine to publicly announce investigations that would benefit his re-election, harm the election prospects of a political opponent, and influence the 2020 United States presidential election to his advantage. President Trump sought to pressure the government of Ukraine to take these steps by conditioning official United States government acts of significant value to Ukraine on its public announcement of the investigations. President Trump undertook these acts for corrupt purposes in pursuit of personal political benefit and used the powers of the presidency in a manner that compromised the national security of the United States and undermined the integrity of the United States democratic process. These actions were consistent with President Trump's previous invitations of foreign interference in United States elections and demonstrated that President Trump will remain a threat to national security and the Constitution if allowed to remain in office. The second article, for obstruction of Congress, states that President Trump abused the powers of the presidency in a manner offensive to and subversive of the Constitution when he directed the unprecedented categorical and indiscriminate defiance of subpoenas issued by the House of Representatives pursuant to its sole power of impeachment. Without lawful cause or excuse, President Trump directed executive branch agencies, offices, and officials not to comply with these subpoenas, and thus interposed the powers of the presidency against the lawful subpoenas of the House of Representatives, and assumed to himself functions and judgments necessary to the exercise of the sole power of impeachment vested by the Constitution in the House of Representatives. The president's complete defiance of an impeachment inquiry served to cover up the president's own repeated misconduct and to seize and control the power of impeachment. President Trump's misconduct was consistent with his previous efforts to undermine United States government investigations into foreign interference in United States elections. It demonstrated that he has acted in a manner grossly incompatible with self-governance and established that he will remain a threat to the Constitution if allowed to remain in office. Now we get to the section of the trial memorandum that is headlined Argument. Section 1. The Senate should convict President Trump of abuse of power. President Trump abused the power of the presidency by pressuring a foreign government to interfere in an American election on his behalf. He solicited this foreign interference to advance his re-election prospects at the expense of America's national security and the security of Ukraine, a vulnerable American ally at war with Russia, an American adversary. 
His effort to gain a personal political benefit by encouraging a foreign government to undermine America's democratic process strikes at the core of misconduct that the framers designed impeachment to protect against. President Trump's abuse of power requires his conviction and removal from office. An officer abuses his power if he exercises his official power to obtain an improper personal benefit while ignoring or undermining the national interest. An abuse that involves an effort to solicit foreign interference in an American election is uniquely dangerous. President Trump's misconduct is an impeachable abuse of power. Subsection A, President Trump exercised his official power to pressure Ukraine into aiding his re-election. After President Zelensky won a landslide victory in Ukraine in April of 2019, President Trump pressured the new, new Ukrainian president to help him win his own re-election by announcing investigations that were politically favorable for President Trump and designed to harm his political rival. First, President Trump sought to pressure President Zelensky publicly to announce an investigation into former Vice President Biden and a Ukrainian gas company, Burisma Holdings, on whose board Biden's son sat. As vice president, Biden had in late 2015 encouraged the government of Ukraine to remove a Ukrainian prosecutor general who had failed to combat corruption. The Ukrainian parliament removed the prosecutor in March of 2016. President Trump and his allies have asserted that the former vice president acted in order to stop an investigation of Burisma and thereby protect his son. This is false. There is no evidence that Vice President Biden acted improperly. He was carrying out official United States policy with the backing of the international community and bipartisan support in Congress when he sought the removal of the prosecutor who was himself corrupt. In addition, the prosecutor's removal made it more likely that the investigation into Burisma would be pursued. President Trump nevertheless sought an official Ukrainian announcement of an investigation into this theory. Second, President Trump sought to pressure President Zelensky publicly to announce an investigation into a conspiracy theory that Ukraine had colluded with the Democratic National Committee to interfere in the 2016 U.S. presidential election in order to help the campaign of Hillary Clinton against then-candidate Donald Trump. This theory was not only pure fiction, but malign Russian propaganda. In the words of one of President Trump's own top National Security Council officials, President Trump's theory of Ukrainian election interference is a fictional narrative that is being perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves to deflect from Russia's culpability and to drive a wedge between the United States and Ukraine. President Trump's own FBI director confirmed that American law enforcement has no information that indicates that Ukraine interfered with the 2016 presidential election. The Senate Select Committee on Intelligence similarly concluded that Russia, not Ukraine, interfered in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. President Trump nevertheless seized on the false theory and sought an announcement of an investigation that would give him a basis to assert that Ukraine rather than Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Such an investigation would eliminate a perceived threat to his own legitimacy and boost his political standing in advance of the 2020 election. In furtherance of the corrupt scheme, President Trump exercised his official power to remove a perceived obstacle to Ukraine's pursuit of the two sham investigations. 
On April 24, 2019, one day after the media reported that former Vice President Biden would formerly enter the 2020 U.S. presidential race, the State Department executed President Trump's order to recall the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, a well-regarded career diplomat and anti-corruption crusader. President Trump needed her out of the way because she was going to make the investigations difficult for everybody. President Trump then proceeded to exercise his official power to pressure Ukraine into announcing his desired investigations by withholding valuable support that Ukraine desperately needed and that he could leverage only by virtue of his office, $391 million in security assistance and a White House meeting. Subsection Withheld Security Assistance President Trump illegally ordered the Office of Management and Budget to withhold $391 million in taxpayer-funded military and other security assistance to Ukraine. This assistance would provide Ukraine with sniper rifles, rocket-propelled grenade launchers, counter-artillery radars, electronic warfare detection and secure communications, and night vision equipment, among other military equipment, to defend itself against Russian forces that occupied part of eastern Ukraine since 2014. The new and vulnerable government headed by President Zelensky urgently needed this assistance, both because the funding itself was critically important to defend against Russia and because the funding was a highly visible sign of American support for President Zelensky in his efforts to negotiate an end to the conflict from a position of strength. Every relevant executive branch agency supported the assistance, which also had broad bipartisan support in Congress. President Trump, however, personally ordered OMB to withhold the assistance after the bulk of it had been appropriated by Congress and all of the congressionally mandated conditions on assistance, including anti-corruption reforms, had been met. The Government Accountability Office has determined that the president's hold was illegal and violated the Impoundment Control Act, which limits the president's authority to withhold funds that Congress has appropriated. The evidence is clear that President Trump conditioned release of the vital military assistance on Ukraine's announcement of the sham investigations. During a telephone conversation between the two presidents on July 25th, immediately after President Zelensky raised the issue of U.S. military support for Ukraine, President Trump replied, I would like you to do us a favor, though. President Trump then explained that the favor he wanted President Zelensky to perform was to begin the investigations, and President Zelensky confirmed his understanding that the investigations should be done openly. In describing whom he wanted Ukraine to investigate, President Trump mentioned only two people, former Vice President Biden and his son. And in describing the claim of foreign interference in the 2016 election, President Trump declared that they say a lot of it started with Ukraine and that whatever you can do, it's very important that you do it if that's possible. Absent from the discussion was any mention by President Trump of anti-corruption reforms in Ukraine. One of President Trump's chief agents for carrying out the president's agenda in Ukraine, Ambassador Gordon Sondland, testified that President Trump's effort to condition release of the much-needed security assistance on an announcement of the investigations was as clear as 2 plus 2 equals 4. Sondland communicated to President Zelensky's advisor that Ukraine would likely not receive assistance until President Zelensky publicly announced the investigations.
And President Trump later confirmed to Ambassador Sondland that President Zelensky must announce the opening of the investigations and he should want to do it. President Trump ultimately released the military assistance, but only after the press publicly reported the hold. After the president learned that a whistleblower within the intelligence community had filed a complaint about his misconduct, and after the House publicly announced an investigation of the president's scheme. In short, President Trump released the security assistance for Ukraine only after he got caught. Next subheading, withheld White House meeting. On April 21st of 2019, the day President Zelensky was elected, President Trump invited him to a meeting at the White House. The meeting would have signaled American support for the new Ukrainian administration, its strong anti-corruption reform agenda, and its efforts to defend against Russian aggression and to make peace. President Trump, however, exercised his official power to withhold the meeting as leverage in his scheme to pressure President Zelensky into announcing the investigations to help his re-election campaign. The evidence is unambiguous that President Trump and his agents conditioned the White House meeting on Ukraine's announcement of the investigations. Ambassador Sondland testified that President Trump wanted a public statement from President Zelensky committing to the investigations as a prerequisite for the White House meeting. Ambassador Sondland further testified, I know that members of this committee frequently frame these complicated issues in the form of a simple question, was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously with regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. To this day, President Trump maintains leverage over President Zelensky, a White House meeting has still not taken place, and President Trump continues publicly to urge Ukraine to conduct these investigations. Subsection B, President Trump exercised official power to benefit himself personally. Overwhelming evidence demonstrates that the announcement of investigations on which President Trump conditioned the official acts had no legitimate policy rationale and instead were corruptly intended to assist his 2020 re-election campaign. First, although there was no basis for the two conspiracy theories that President Trump advanced, public announcements that these theories were being investigated would be of immense political value to him, and him alone. The public announcement of an investigation of former Vice President Biden would yield enormous political benefits for President Trump, who viewed the former vice president as a serious political rival in the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Unsurprisingly, President Trump's efforts to advance the conspiracy theory accelerated after news broke that Vice President would run for president in 2020. President Trump benefited from such an announcement of a criminal investigation into his presidential opponent in 2016. An announcement of a criminal investigation regarding a 2020 rival would likewise be extremely helpful to his re-election prospects. President Trump would similarly have viewed an investigation into Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election as helpful in undermining the conclusion that he had benefited from Russian election interference in 2016 and that he was the preferred candidate of President Putin, both of which President Trump viewed as calling into question the legitimacy of his presidency. An announcement that Ukraine was investigating its own alleged 2016 election interference would have turned these facts on their head. 
President Trump would have grounds to claim, falsely, that he was elected president in 2016 not because he was the beneficiary of Russian election interference, but in spite of Ukrainian election interference aimed at helping his opponent. Second, Agents and associates of President Trump who helped carry out his agenda in Ukraine confirmed that his efforts to pressure President Zelensky into announcing the desired investigations were intended for his personal political benefit rather than for a legitimate policy purpose. For example, after speaking with President Trump, Ambassador Sondland told a colleague that President Trump did not give an expletive about Ukraine and instead cared only about big stuff that benefited him personally, like the Biden investigation that Mr. Giuliani was pushing. That's in quotes. And Mick Mulvaney, President Trump's acting chief of staff, acknowledged to a reporter that there was a quid pro quo with Ukraine involving the military aid, conceded that there is going to be political influence in foreign policy, and stated, I have news for everybody, get over it. Third, the involvement of President Trump's personal attorney, Mr. Giuliani, who has professional obligations to the president but not to the nation, underscores that President Trump sought the investigations for personal and political reasons rather than legitimate foreign policy reasons. Mr. Giuliani openly and repeatedly acknowledged that he was pursuing the Ukrainian investigations to advance the president's personal interests, stating this isn't foreign policy. Instead, Mr. Giuliani said that he was seeking information that will be very, very helpful to my client. Mr. Giuliani made similar representations to the Ukrainian government. In a letter to President-elect Zelensky, Mr. Giuliani stated that he, quote, represented him, President Trump, as a private citizen, not as president of the United States, end of the quote, and that he was acting with Trump's knowledge and consent. President Trump placed Mr. Giuliani at the hub of the pressure campaign on Ukraine and directed U.S. officials responsible for Ukraine to talk to Rudy. Indeed, during their July 25th call, President Trump pressed President Zelensky to speak with Mr. Giuliani directly, stating Rudy very much knows what's happening and he is a very capable guy. If you could speak to him, that would be great. Fourth, President Trump's pursuit of the sham investigations marked a dramatic deviation from long-standing bipartisan American foreign policy goals in Ukraine. Legitimate investigations could have been recognized as an anti-corruption foreign policy goal, but there was no factual basis for an investigation into the Bidens or into supposed Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election. To the contrary, the requested investigations were precisely the type of political investigations that American foreign policy dissuades other countries from undertaking. That explains why the scheme to obtain the announcements was pursued through the president's chosen political appointees and by his personal attorney, why Trump administration's officials attempted to keep the scheme from becoming public due to its sensitive nature, why no credible explanation for the hold on security assistance was provided even within the U.S. government, why over Defense Department objections, President Trump and his allies violated the law by withholding the aid, and why, after the scheme was uncovered, President Trump falsely claimed that his pursuit of the investigations did not involve a quid pro quo. Fifth, American and Ukrainian officials alike saw President Trump's scheme for what it was, improper and political. 
As we expect the testimony of Ambassador John Bolton would confirm, President Trump's national security advisor stated that he wanted no part of whatever drug deal President Trump's agents were pursuing in Ukraine. Dr. Hill testified that Ambassador Sondland was becoming involved in a domestic political errand in pressing Ukraine to announce the investigations. Jennifer Williams, an advisor to Vice President Mike Pence, testified that the president's solicitation of investigations was a domestic political matter. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, the NSC's director for Ukraine, testified that it is improper for the president of the United States to demand a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen and a political opponent. William Taylor, who took over as charge d'affaires in Kyiv after President Trump recalled Ambassador Yovanovitch, emphasized that I think it is crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. And George Kent, a State Department official, testified that asking another country to investigate a prosecution for political reasons undermines our advocacy of the rule of law. Ukrainian officials also understood that President Trump's corrupt effort to solicit the sham investigations would drag them into domestic U.S. politics. In response to the president's efforts, a senior Ukrainian official conveyed to Ambassador Taylor that President Zelensky did not want to be used as a pawn in a U.S. re-election campaign. Another Ukrainian official later stated that it is critically important for the West not to pull us into some conflicts between their ruling elites. And when Ambassador Kurt Volker tried to warn President Zelensky's advisor against investigating President Zelensky's former political opponent, the prior Ukrainian president, the advisor retorted, what, you mean like asking us to investigate Clinton and Biden? David Holmes, a career diplomat at the U.S. Embassy in Kyiv, highlighted this hypocrisy. While we had advised our Ukrainian counterparts to voice a commitment to following the rule of law and generally investigating credible corruption allegations, U.S. officials were making a demand that President Zelensky personally commit on a cable news channel to a specific investigation of President Trump's political rival. Finally, there is no credible alternative explanation for President Trump's conduct. It is not credible that President Trump sought announcements of the investigations because he was in fact concerned with corruption in Ukraine or burden sharing with our European allies, as he claimed after the scheme was uncovered. Before news of former Vice President Biden's candidacy broke, President Trump showed no interest in corruption in Ukraine. And in prior years, he approved military assistance to Ukraine without controversy. After his candidacy was announced, President Trump remained indifferent to anti-corruption measures beyond the two investigations he was demanding. When he first spoke with President Zelensky on April 21, President Trump ignored the recommendation of his national security advisors and did not mention corruption at all, even though the purpose of the call was to congratulate President Zelensky on a victory based on an anti-corruption platform. President Trump's entire policy team agreed that President Zelensky was genuinely committed to reforms, yet President Trump refused a White House meeting that the team advised would support President Zelensky's anti-corruption agenda. President Trump's own Department of Defense, in consultation with the State Department, had certified in May of 2019 that Ukraine satisfied all anti-corruption standards needed to receive the congressionally appropriated military aid. Yet President Trump nevertheless withheld that vital assistance.
He recalled without explanation Ambassador Yovanovitch, who was widely recognized as a champion in fighting corruption, disparaged her while praising a corrupt Ukrainian prosecutor general, and oversaw efforts to cut foreign programs tasked with combating corruption in Ukraine and elsewhere. Moreover, had President Trump truly sought to assist Ukraine's anti-corruption efforts, he would have focused on ensuring that Ukraine actually conducted investigations of the purported issues he identified. But actual investigations were never the point. President Trump was interested only in the announcement of the investigations because that announcement would accomplish his real goal, bolstering his re-election efforts. President Trump's purported concern about sharing the burden of assistance to Ukraine with Europe is equally without basis. From the time OMB announced the illegal hold until it was lifted, no credible reason was provided to executive branch agencies for the hold, despite repeated efforts by national security officials to obtain an explanation. It was not until September, approximately two months after President Trump had directed the hold and after the president had learned of the whistleblower complaint, that the hold for the first time was attributed to the president's concern about other countries not contributing more to Ukraine. If the president was genuinely concerned about burden sharing, it makes no sense that he kept his own administration in the dark about the issue for months, never made any contemporaneous public statements about it, never ordered a review of burden sharing, never ordered his officials to push Europe to increase their contributions, and then he released the aid without any change in Europe's contribution. The concern about burden sharing is an after-the-fact rationalization designed to conceal President Trump's abuse of power. Subsection C, President Trump jeopardized U.S. national interests. President Trump's efforts to solicit foreign interference to help his re-election campaign is pernicious, but his conduct is all the more alarming because it endangered U.S. national security, jeopardized our alliances, and undermined our efforts to promote the rule of law globally. Ukraine is a strategic partner of the United States on the front lines of an ongoing conflict with Russia. The United States has approved military assistance to Ukraine with bipartisan support since 2014, and that assistance is critical to preventing Russia's expansion and aggression. This military assistance, which President Trump withheld in service of his own political interests, saves lives by making Ukrainian resistance to Russia more effective. It likewise advances American national security interests because if Russia prevails and Ukraine falls to Russian dominion, we can expect to see other attempts by Russia to expand its territory and influence. Indeed, the reason the United States provides assistance to the Ukrainian military is so that they can fight Russia over there and we don't have to fight Russia here. That's in quotes. President Trump's delay in providing the military assistance jeopardized these national security interests and emboldened Russia, even though the funding was ultimately released, particularly because the delay occurred when Russia was watching closely to gauge the level of American support for the Ukrainian government. But for a subsequent act for, of Congress, approximately $35 million of military assistance to Ukraine would have lapsed and been unavailable as a result of the president's abuse of power. The White House meeting that President Trump promised President Zelensky but continues to withhold would similarly have signaled to Russia that the United States stands behind Ukraine, showing U.S. support at the highest levels. 
By refusing to hold this meeting, President Trump denied Ukraine a showing of strength that could deter further Russian aggression and help Ukraine negotiate a favorable end to its war with Russia. The withheld meeting also undercuts President Zelensky's domestic standing, diminishing his ability to advance his ambitious anti-corruption reform. Equally troubling is that President Trump's scheme sent a clear message to our allies that the United States may capriciously withhold critical assistance for our president's personal benefit, causing our allies to constantly question the extent to which they can count on us. Because American leadership depends on the power of our example and the consistency of our purpose, President Trump's conduct undermines the U.S., exposes our friends, and widens the playing field for autocrats like President Putin. And President Trump's use of official acts to pressure Ukraine to announce politically motivated investigations harms our credibility in promoting democratic values and the rule of law in Ukraine and around the world. American credibility abroad is based on a respect for the United States, and if we damage that respect, American foreign policy cannot do its job. President Trump abused the powers of his office to invite foreign interference in an election for his own personal political gain and to the detriment of American national security interests. He abandoned his oath to faithfully execute the laws and betrayed his public trust. President Trump's misconduct presents a danger to our democratic processes, our national security, and our commitment to the rule of law. He must be removed from office. Now a new, a new section focused on Article 2. The Senate should convict President Trump of obstruction of Congress. In exercising its responsibility to investigate and consider the impeachment of a president of the United States, the House is constitutionally entitled to the relevant information from the executive branch concerning the president's misconduct. The framers, the courts, and past presidents have recognized that honoring Congress's right to information in an impeachment investigation is a critical safeguard in our system of divided powers. Otherwise, a president could hide his own wrongdoing to prevent Congress from discovering impeachable misconduct, effectively nullifying Congress's impeachment power. President Trump's sweeping effort to shield his misconduct from view and protect himself from impeachment thus works a grave constitutional harm and is itself an impeachable offense. Subsection A, the House is constitutionally entitled to the relevant information in an impeachment inquiry. The House has the power to issue subpoenas and demand compliance in an impeachment investigation. The Supreme Court has long recognized that without the power to investigate, including, of course, the authority to compel testimony, either through its own processes or through judicial trial, Congress could be seriously handicapped in its efforts to exercise its constitutional function wisely and effectively. The court has stressed that it is the duty of all citizens and their unremitting obligation to respond to subpoenas, to respect the dignity of the Congress and its committees, and to testify fully with respect to matters within the province of proper investigation. The court has repeatedly emphasized that Congress's power of inquiry, with, it, with the process to enforce it, is an essential and appropriate auxiliary to the legislative function. Congress cannot legislate wisely or effectively in the absence of information. 
This principle is most compelling when the House exercises its sole power of impeachment. Congress's already broad investigatory authority and its need for information are at their apex in an impeachment inquiry. The principle that the president cannot stand in the way of an impeachment investigation is of great consequence because, as Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story long ago explained, the president should not have the power of preventing a thorough investigation of his conduct or of securing himself against the disgrace of a public conviction by impeachment if he should deserve it. A presidential impeachment is a matter of the most critical moment to the nation, and it is difficult to conceive of a more compelling need than that of this country for an unswervingly fair inquiry based on all the pertinent information. The Supreme Court thus recognized nearly 140 years ago that where the House or Senate is determining a question of impeachment, there is no reason to doubt the right to compel the attendance of witnesses and their answer to proper questions in the same manner and by the use of the same means that courts of justice can in like cases. Like the Supreme Court, members of the earliest Congresses understood that, without the right to inspect every paper and transaction in any department, the power of impeachment could never be exercised with any effect. Previous presidents have acknowledged their obligation to comply with an impeachment investigation, explaining that such an inquiry penetrates into the most secret recesses of the executive departments and could command the attendance of every, any and every agent of the government and compel them to produce all papers, public or private, official or unofficial, and to testify on oath to all facts within their knowledge. That acknowledgment is a matter of common sense. An impeachment inquiry cannot root out bad actors if those same bad actors control the scope and nature of the inquiry. President Trump is an aberration among presidents in refusing any and all cooperation in a House impeachment investigation. Even President Nixon produced numerous documents in response to congressional subpoenas and instructed all members of the White House staff to appear voluntarily when requested by the House, to testify under oath, and to answer fully all proper questions, consistent with the near-uniform cooperation of prior executive branch officials who had been subject to impeachment investigations. Because President Nixon's production of records in response to the House Judiciary Committee's inquiry was incomplete in important respects, however, the committee voted to adopt an article of impeachment for his obstruction of the inquiry. As the committee explained, in refusing to provide all materials that the committee deemed necessary to the impeachment investigation, President Nixon had substituted his judgment for that of the House and interposed the powers of the presidency against the lawful subpoenas of the House of Representatives, thereby assuming to himself functions and judgments necessary to exercise the sole power of impeachment vested by the Constitution in the House. The committee stated that it was not within the power of the president to conduct an inquiry into his own impeachment to determine which evidence and what version or portion of that evidence is relevant and necessary to such an inquiry. These are matters which, under the Constitution, the House has the sole power to determine. In the face of Congress's investigation and the mounting evidence of his misdeeds, President Nixon resigned before the House had the chance to impeach him for this misconduct. Subsection B, President Trump's obstruction of the impeachment inquiry, violates fundamental constitutional principles.
The Senate should convict President Trump of obstruction of Congress as charged in the second article of impeachment. President Trump unilaterally declared the House's investigation illegitimate. President Trump's White House counsel notified the House that President Trump cannot permit his administration to participate in this partisan inquiry under these circumstances. President Trump then directed his administration categorically to withhold documents and testimony from the House. The facts are undisputed. As charged in the second article of impeachment, President Trump directed the White House to defy a lawful subpoena by withholding the production of documents to the committees, directed other executive branch agencies and offices to defy lawful subpoenas and withhold the production of documents and records from the committees, and he directed current and former executive branch officials not to cooperate with the committees. In response to President Trump's directives, OMB, the Department of State, Department of Energy, and Department of Defense refused to produce any documents to the House, even though witness testimony has revealed that additional highly relevant records do exist. To date, the House committees have not received a single document or record from these departments and agencies pursuant to subpoenas, which remain in effect. President Trump personally demanded that his top aides refuse to testify in response to subpoenas, and nine administration officials followed his directive and continued to defy subpoenas for testimony. For example, when the Intelligence Committee issued a subpoena for Mick Mulvaney's testimony, he produced a November 8th letter from the White House stating the president directs Mr. Mulvaney not to appear at the committee's scheduled deposition on November 8, 2019. When President Trump was unable to silence witnesses, he resorted to tactics to penalize and intimidate them. These efforts include President Trump's sustained attacks on the anonymous whistleblower and his public statements designed to discourage witnesses from coming forward and to embarrass those who did testify. Refusing to comply with a congressional impeachment investigation is not a constitutionally valid decision for a president to make. President Trump's unprecedented complete defiance of an impeachment inquiry served to cover up the president's own repeated misconduct and to seize and control the power of impeachment. President Trump's directive rejects one of the key features distinguishing our republic from a monarchy, that the president of the United States is liable to be impeached, tried, and upon conviction removed. Allowing President Trump to avoid conviction on the second article would set a dangerous precedent for future presidents to hide their misconduct from congressional scrutiny during an impeachment inquiry without fear of accountability. Notwithstanding President Trump's obstruction, the House obtained compelling evidence that he abused his power. The failure of President Trump's obstruction and attempted cover-up, however, does not excuse his misconduct. There can be no doubt that the withheld documents and testimony would provide Congress with highly pertinent information about the president's corrupt scheme. Indeed, witnesses have testified about specific withheld records concerning President Trump's July 25th call with President Zelensky and related materials, and public reports have referred to additional responsive documents, including hundreds of documents that reveal extensive efforts to generate an after-the-fact justification for withholding the security aid. Subsection C, President Trump's excuses for his obstruction are meritless.
President Trump has offered various unpersuasive excuses for his blanket refusal to comply with the House's impeachment inquiry. President Trump's refusal to provide information is not a principled assertion of executive privilege, but rather is a transparent attempt to cover up wrongdoing and amass power that the Constitution does not give him, including the power to decide whether and when Congress can hold him accountable. First, while congressional investigators often accommodate legitimate executive branch interests, the president's blanket directive to all executive branch agencies and witnesses to defy congressional subpoenas was not based on any actual assertion of executive privilege or identification of particular sensitive information. The White House counsel's letter alluded to long-established executive branch confidentiality interests and privileges that the State Department could theoretically invoke, and the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel preemptively dismissed certain subpoenas as invalid on the ground that responsive information was potentially protected by executive privilege. But, neither document conveyed an actual assertion of executive privilege, which would require, at a minimum, identification by the president of particular communications or documents containing protected material. The White House cannot justify a blanket refusal to respond to congressional subpoenas based on executive or other privilege that it never, in fact, invoked. Regardless, executive privilege is inapplicable here, both because it may not be used to conceal wrongdoing, particularly in an impeachment inquiry, and because the president and his agents have already diminished any confidentiality interests by speaking at length about these events in every form except Congress. President Trump has been impeached for obstruction of Congress not based upon discrete invocations of privilege or immunity, but for his directive that the executive branch categorically stonewall the House impeachment inquiry by refusing to comply with all subpoenas. To the extent President Trump claims that he has concealed evidence to protect the office of the president, the framers considered and rejected that defense. Several delegates at the Constitutional Convention warned that the impeachment power would be destructive of the executive's independence. But the framers adopted an impeachment power anyway, because, as Alexander Hamilton observed, the powers relating to impeachments are an essential check in the hands of Congress upon the encroachments of the executive. The impeachment power does not exist to protect the presidency. It exists to protect the nation from a corrupt and dangerous president like Donald Trump. Second, President Trump has no basis for objecting to how the House conducted its impeachment proceedings. The Constitution vests the House with the sole power of impeachment and the power to determine the rules of its proceedings. The rights that President Trump has demanded have never been recognized and have not been afforded in any prior presidential impeachment. President Trump has been afforded protections equal to or greater than those afforded Presidents Nixon and Clinton during their impeachment proceedings in the House. Any claim that President Trump was entitled to due process rights modeled on a criminal trial during the entire entirety of the House impeachment inquiry ignores both law and history. A House impeachment inquiry cannot be compared to a criminal trial because the Senate, not the House, possesses the sole power to try impeachments. The Constitution does not entitle President Trump to a separate full trial first in the House.
Even indulging the analogy to a criminal trial, no person appearing before a prosecutor or grand jury deciding whether to bring charges would have the rights President Trump has claimed. As the House Judiciary Committee chairman observed during Watergate, it is not a right but a privilege or a courtesy for the president to participate through counsel in House impeachment proceedings. President Trump's demands are just another effort to obstruct the House in the exercise of its constitutional duty. Third, President Trump's assertion that his impeachment for obstruction of Congress is invalid because the committees did not first seek judicial enforcement of their subpoenas ignores again the constitutional dictate that the House has sole authority to determine how to proceed with an impeachment. It also ignores President Trump's own arguments to the federal courts. President Trump is telling one story to Congress while spinning a different tale in the courts. He is saying to Congress that the committees should have sued the executive branch in court to enforce their subpoenas. But he has argued to that court that congressional committees cannot sue the executive branch to enforce their subpoenas. President Trump cannot tell Congress that it must pursue him in court while simultaneously telling the courts that they are powerless to enforce congressional subpoenas. President Trump's approach to the judicial branch thus mirrors his obstruction of the legislative branch. In his view, neither can engage in any review of his conduct. This position conveys the president's dangerously misguided belief that no other branch of government may check his power or hold him accountable for abusing it. That belief is fundamentally incompatible with our form of government. Months or years of litigation over each of the House's subpoenas is in any event no answer in this time-sensitive inquiry. The House's subpoena to former White House counsel Don McGahn was issued in April 2019, but it is still winding its way through the courts over President Trump's strong opposition, even on an expedited schedule. Litigating President Trump's direction that each subpoena he'd be denied would conflict with the House's urgent duty to act on the compelling evidence of impeachable misconduct that it has uncovered. Further delay could also compromise the integrity of the 2020 election. When the framers entrusted the House with the sole power of impeachment, they obviously meant to equip the House with the necessary tools to discover abuses of power by the president. Without that authority, the impeachment clause would fail as an effective safeguard against tyranny. A system in which the president cannot be charged with a crime, as the Department of Justice believes, and in which he can nullify the impeachment power through blanket obstruction, as President Trump has done here, is a system in which the president is above the law. The Senate should convict President Trump for his categorical obstruction of the House's impeachment inquiry and ensure that this president and any future president cannot commit impeachable offenses and then avoid accountability by covering them up. Section 3, the Senate should immediately remove President Trump from office to prevent further abuse. President Trump has demonstrated his continued willingness to corrupt free and fair elections, betray our national security, and subvert the constitutional separation of powers, all for personal gain. President Trump's ongoing pattern of misconduct demonstrates that he is an immediate threat to the nation and the rule of law. It is imperative that the Senate convict and remove him from office now and permanently bar him from holding federal office. Subsection A, President Trump's repeated abuse of power presents an ongoing threat to our elections. 
President Trump's solicitation of Ukrainian interference in the 2020 election is not an isolated incident. It is part of his ongoing and deeply troubling course of misconduct that, as the first article of impeachment states, is consistent with President Trump's previous invitations of foreign interference in United States elections. These previous efforts include inviting Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. As special counsel Mueller concluded, the Russian government interfered in the 2016 presidential election in sweeping and systematic fashion. Throughout the 2016 election cycle, the Trump campaign maintained significant contacts with agents of the Russian government who were offering damaging information concerning then-candidate Trump's political opponent. And Mr. Trump repeatedly praised and even publicly requested the release of politically charged Russian-hacked emails. The Trump campaign welcomed Russia's election interference because it expected it would benefit electorally from information stolen and released through Russian efforts. That's a quote from the Mueller report. President Trump's recent actions confirm that public censure is insufficient to deter him from continuing to facilitate foreign interference in U.S. elections. In June of 2019, President Trump declared that he sees nothing wrong with listening to a foreign power that offers information detrimental to a political adversary. In the president's words, I think I'd take it. Asked whether such information should be reported to law enforcement, President Trump retorted, give me a break, life doesn't work that way. Only one day after special counsel Mueller testified to Congress that the Trump campaign welcomed and sought to capitalize on Russia's efforts to damage the president's political rival in 2016, President Trump spoke to President Zelensky, pressuring Ukraine to announce investigations to damage President Trump's political opponent in the 2020 election and undermine special counsel Mueller's findings. President Trump still embraces that call as both routine and perfect. President Trump's conduct would have horrified the framers of our republic. In its findings, the Intelligence Committee emphasized the proximate threat of further presidential attempts to solicit foreign interference in our next election. That threat has not abated. In a sign that President Trump's corrupt efforts to encourage interference in the 2020 election persist, he reiterated his desire for Ukraine to investigate his political opponents even after the scheme was discovered and the impeachment inquiry was announced. When asked in October 2019 what he hoped President Zelensky would do about the Bidens, President Trump answered that it was very simple, and he hoped Ukraine would start a major investigation. Unsolicited, he added that China should likewise start an investigation into the Bidens. President Trump has also continued to engage Mr. Giuliani to pursue the sham investigations on his behalf. One day after President Trump was impeached, Mr. Giuliani claimed that he gathered derogatory evidence against Vice President Biden during a fact-finding trip to Ukraine, a trip where he met with a current Ukrainian official who attended a KGB school in Moscow and has led calls in Ukraine to investigate Burisma and the Bidens. During the trip, Mr. Giuliani tweeted, The conversation about corruption in Ukraine was based on compelling evidence of criminal conduct by then-VP Biden in 2016 that has not been resolved and until it is will be a major obstacle to the U.S. assisting Ukraine with its anti-corruption reforms.
Not only was Mr. Giuliani perpetuating the false allegations against the former vice president, but he was reiterating the threat that President Trump had used to pressure President Zelensky to announce the investigations, that U.S. assistance to Ukraine would be withheld until Ukraine pursued the sham investigations. Mr. Giuliani has stated that he and the president continue to be on the same page. Ukraine, as well, understands that Mr. Giuliani represents President Trump's interests. President Trump's unrepentant embrace of foreign election interference illustrates the threat posed by his continued occupancy of the office of the president. It also refutes the assertion that the consequences of his misconduct should be decided by the voters in the 2020 election. The aim of President Trump's Ukraine scheme was to corrupt the integrity of the 2020 election by enlisting a foreign power to give him an unfair advantage, in short, to cheat. That threat persists today. Subsection B, President Trump's obstruction of Congress threatens our constitutional order. President Trump's obstruction of the House's impeachment inquiry intended to hold him accountable for his misconduct presents a serious danger to our constitutional checks and balances. President Trump has made clear that he refuses to accept Congress's express and exclusive constitutional role in conducting impeachments. He has thereby subverted the Constitution that he pledged to uphold when he was inaugurated on the steps of the Capitol. By his words and deeds, President Trump has obstructed the House's impeachment inquiry at every turn. He has dismissed impeachment as illegal, invalid, and unconstitutional. He has directed the executive branch not to comply with House subpoenas for documents and testimony. And he has intimidated and threatened the anonymous intelligence community whistleblower, as well as the patriotic public servants who honored their subpoenas and testified before the House. President Trump's obstruction is part of an ominous pattern of efforts to undermine United States government investigations into foreign interference in United States elections. Rather than assist Special Counsel Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election and his own campaign's exploitation of that foreign assistance, President Trump repeatedly used the powers of his office to impede it. Among other actions, President Trump directed the White House counsel to fire the special counsel and then create a false record of the firing, tampered with witnesses in the special counsel's investigation, and repeatedly and publicly attacked the legitimacy of the investigation. President Trump has instructed the former White House counsel to defy a House committee's subpoena for testimony concerning these matters, and the Department of Justice has argued that the courts cannot even hear the committee's action to enforce its subpoena. President Trump's current obstruction of Congress is, therefore, not the first time he has committed misconduct concerning a federal investigation into election interference and then sought to hide it. Allowing this pattern to continue without repercussion would send the clear message that President Trump is correct in his view that no governmental body can hold him accountable for wrongdoing. That view is erroneous and exceptionally dangerous. And finally, subsection C, the Senate should convict and remove President Trump to protect our system of government and national security interests. The Senate should convict and remove President Trump to avoid serious and long-term damage to our democratic values and the nation's security. If the Senate permits President Trump to remain in office, he and future leaders would be emboldened to welcome and even enlist foreign interference in elections for years to come.
When the American people's faith in their electoral process is shaken and its results called into question, the essence of democratic self-government is called into doubt. Failure to remove President Trump would signal that a president's personal interests may take precedence over those of the nation, alarming our allies and emboldening our adversaries. Our leadership depends on the power of our example and the consistency of our purpose, but because of President Trump's actions, both have now been opened to question. Ratifying President Trump's behavior would likewise erode long-standing U.S. anti-corruption policy, which encourages countries to refrain from using the criminal justice system to investigate political opponents. As many witnesses explained, urging Ukraine to engage in selective politically associated investigations or prosecutions undermines the power of America's example and our long-standing efforts to promote the rule of law abroad. An acquittal would also provide license to President Trump and his successors to use taxpayer dollars for personal political ends. Foreign aid is not the only vulnerable source of funding. Presidents could also hold hostage federal funds earmarked for states, such as money for natural disasters, highways, and health care, unless and until state officials perform personal political favors. Any congressional appropriation would be an opportunity for a president to solicit a favor for his personal political purposes or for others to seek to curry favor with him. Such an outcome would be entirely incompatible with our constitutional system of self-government. President Trump has betrayed the American people and the ideals on which the nation was founded. Unless he is removed from office, he will continue to endanger our national security, jeopardize the integrity of our elections, and undermine our core constitutional principles. Respectfully submitted, the U.S. House of Representatives managers, and those are Adam Schiff, Gerald Nadler, Zoe Lofgren, Hakeem Jeffries, Val Demings, Jason Crow, and Sylvia Garcia, and it was submitted on January 18, 2020. And that concludes our special presentation of the trial memorandum of the United States House of Representatives managers in the impeachment trial of President Donald J. Trump. Please visit sunsounds.org for more of the key documents from the impeachment proceedings. And while you're there, you can also click on the donate button and support this member-supported reading service for people who cannot read or hold print materials due to a disability. I'm your volunteer reader, Paul Wyke, thanking you for listening and for supporting Sun Sounds of Arizona.